The Lord's prayer is God's will for our lives. Think about it. We have a father who says, I want you to know me so bad. I sent my son to be a sacrifice for you. I sent my spirit to live in you. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters. I am your host, Arden Bevere. And today we have a very exciting conversation for you with Pastor Derwin Gray. I mean, this conversation is so needed because as we have been talking about in this season, identity, there is a key factor to identity that is connection point with our creator that's going to help feed your identity. It's going to help you realize your identity. And that is prayer. And Pastor Derwin goes into a deeper understanding of prayer, a deeper revelation of how we should pray. So you do not want to miss this conversation. Pastor Derwin, thank you so much for jumping on and having this conversation. We're so excited that you are jumping on and joining us because you have released a brand new book that honestly, I think is a needed book for our generation because I think our generation, we are hearing so many opinions, so many things, uh, so many voices that are coming against us that we just truly want to be connected to the one voice that is ultimately going to shift our life. And you wrote a book all around prayer. Um, So I'm so excited that you're joining us and going to be talking on that a little bit today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's an honor and privilege to to be with you. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, I think some backstory is important because I think a lot of times millennials, especially younger millennials and then older Gen Z, um, you guys kind of get picked on a lot. And so I want to, I just want to take a step back and just say, you guys are living in the world that we created. And, and so, you know, it's kind of like, hey, let's blame them for the stuff that we did. Let's kick the can down the street. So I think it's important for us to take a step back, right? Like your generation experienced 9-11, right? I mean, that's wow. And then we, you guys have gone through two economic recessions where you've seen your parents maybe lose homes, not know what to do. Then we gave you guys a horrible political polarization that was more like a a real bad comedy routine. It's like, when are the adults actually going to show up? But then America's original sin, we've never really dealt with the aspect of racism and prejudice. Racism deals with systems and structures that oppress people. Now, let me pause here. Uh, I'm a pastor, I'm a theologian, I'm a scholar. So systemic injustice naturally flows from one, total depravity, meaning every person is a sinner. Number two, even if you're a Christian, if you're not fully walking in the Spirit's power, you can sin, right? And then number three, um, there are dark powers that systemically oppress. And so systemic injustice is not foreign to the New Testament. Testament. It's not foreign to the Old Testament. And so um, a lot of these issues have bubbled to the surface. And we as the church, a lot of times have ran from them. We've actually partnered with them. And so what I want to say to your generation is, is uh, one, I'm sorry. And two, 
I wrote this book, God, Do You Hear Me? Discovering the prayer that God always answers, because if there's any hope for God's kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven, it comes through a prayerful people who understand that the purpose of prayer is not simply to get stuff. In Matthew 6, 8 and Matthew 6, 32, Jesus says, hey, uh, your father already knows. So if God already knows what you need, why do we always spend so much time asking for what we need? Because what we really need is him. Think of how the Lord's prayer starts. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'm on a mission to be a part of a generation that longs and seeks the face of God for God himself. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think uh, so many, honestly, of our, our listeners are really, they have gotten past this point where they're, they're seeing the divide that has been created, like you said, of the, hey, there has been some injustices in the world. And we're watching as what happens is honestly, the church is even as well, we're getting involved in those conversations. And instead of loving people, being that representation of unity, we are trying to separate over the things that we disagree with rather than coming together over the thing that we do agree with this death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think we're seeing with people is that we want to see in our, in this generation, the listeners that we have is they, they don't want to hear the fluffy things. <laughs> they want, like, honestly, the reason for this podcast is we said, hey, look, we want to go straight into those harder topics, the things that you're having questions about. And I know that a lot of people in our generation, we're just saying, you know, hey, look, we want this closer, authentic relationship with God. And I know that anyone that is hearing this and hears, you know, what your book is about is going to get excited because they want uh, what you're basically what you're talking about what you wrote in this and so I do want to ask you you know I know that you kind of came through this original heart and I love that you have a heart for this generation that I think it's the first time I've ever seen someone say you know hey we have a part in this it's don't like yeah. it's not the millennials problem it's not the gen c's like you guys you guys have well, we all have a part in this and we want to see a better day um but I want to just hear kind of as for you, when you wrote this book, like what was that heart cry that really came out for you that you were like, got to this point where you're like, God, look, I know there's a lot of books in this world, but God, I, I believe you're downloading this to me and I need to see this get out to this world. Yeah, you know, so so um, I believe the best books are books that you actually write for yourself because you have a need. So I didn't grow up in the church. I actually came to faith uh, my fifth year in the NFL when I was playing for the Carolina Panthers. And um, I didn't have a church background and neither did, did, did my wife. Both of us were straight up pagans, man. And we met Jesus. We met him and we fell in love with him. Uh, we were blown away that a God would come to earth in human form would live the life we could never live, die the death we should have died to forgive our sins and raise again to now not only give us life in the future and a new heavens and new earth, but resurrection power and life now, a new identity, a new mission, a new purpose, right? And so we fell in love with him 
and we heard about this thing called prayer. And so all we knew was prayer was you talk to God. And the more we read scripture, the more we wanted to talk to God. And then we stumble across the Lord's prayer. And then over the years of being a pastor, discipling, counseling, mentoring, I'm like, most people actually don't pray. What we do is superstition. It's kind of like uh, God is an ATM. And if you just put in the right formula, you'll get out what you want. And so a lot of prayer is actually superstition asking God for things. Like one of the images that I write about in a book is imagine going to your grandparents' house for Thanksgiving, right? Your cousins are there, siblings are there, grandparents at the front of of the table. The food is delicious. Everybody sits down. It's past the gravy, past the collard greens, past the yams, past the turkey. And and everybody's eating. It's like, when is the apple pie going to come? And everybody gets the apple pie and they, they get up from the table and they leave. And then they look at the grandparents and say, hey, what are we having for Christmas? I hope it's this good. Yeah. And I often feel like that's the way we pray is we say, God, um, I'm sick. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need, I need, I need. And God is going, but do you actually want me? Yeah. Do you, because what makes Thanksgiving awesome is not the food, but it's who you're having the food with. And so when I wrote the book, my heart's cry was to be a part of a generation of people who say, God, we want to know you. We want to hear from you. We want what you want. So when you look at the Lord's Prayer, the genius of Jesus, I mean, it's totally epic, right? So 2,000 years ago, you got Jesus's disciples. And, and his disciples give me hope because one of them named Matthew was a rich, rich tax collector. The Jews hated him because he took taxes from Jews, gave to the Romans. One of them was a zealot. So that meant that he cut you with a knife, right? He was a straight up rebel. You had fishermen who didn't really have an education. And so Jesus took these ragtag people and they're hanging out with him. And they say to him in Luke 11, like, uh, Jesus, John's disciples pray. Will you teach us to pray? We should listen to that. They were humble enough to say, will you teach us to pray? And he says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins and we forgive those sins against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let me pause here. First and foremost, the Lord's Prayer is a mini catechism that teaches the life of Jesus. Like if you've never met anybody and they go, who is Jesus? You can say, okay, let me show you in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. Jesus is the person who shows us what love, what God the Father looks like. Total intimacy into me, you see. Jesus, the person who understood that God was holy. Holy means separate, different. And so every other false God gets knocked down in light of how great he is. What is the kingdom of God? Typically, that term is very nebulous, but actually... When Jesus came to earth, not only was he God, the son and human flesh, 
but he showed us what the kingdom it looks like. So when Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan, that's the kingdom of God. When Jesus touched lepers and healed them, that's the kingdom of God. When Jesus would not speak before Pontius Pilate, that's the kingdom of God. Everything that Jesus did is the kingdom of God. Let me add this. I don't know who this is for, but let me add this. When Jesus washed the feet of Judas, who he knew was going to betray him, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Then it goes down to give us this day our, our daily bread. Jesus is the bread of life. In other words, he meets our physical needs, our emotional needs, our mental needs, our spiritual needs. Forgive us of our sins. Jesus is the lamb of God. Then Jesus is the one who defeats Satan. Have you ever wondered why the scripture says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Well, we know God doesn't lead us into sin. God does not sin. God cannot sin. So what does it mean, lead us not into temptation? Well, when Jesus was baptized, after he was baptized, it says, and the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Why did Jesus do, do that? Here comes a big word, recapitulation. Jesus is retracing the steps of Israel. Israel was in slavery in Egypt. God sets them free. They crossed the uh, Red Sea. And where did they go? To the wilderness. They're tempted three times. Three times they fail. Jesus is baptized into Jordan. That's like the Red Sea. And where does the Spirit lead him? Into the wilderness. Three times he's tempted. But every time he says things like this. But the scriptures say, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word out of God's mouth. So Jesus defeated Satan for us in the wilderness. And through his life and death and resurrection, he destroys the works of the devil. So the Lord's Prayer is a catechism on who Jesus is. And number two, the Lord's Prayer is God's will for our lives. Think about it. We have a father who says, I want you to know me so bad. I sent my son to be a sacrifice for you. I sent my spirit to live in, in, in you. And God is saying, listen, all the wonderful things I created, and there's even the demonic realm that turned evil. They want to distract you. They want to be lovers that woo your heart from me. So I want you to set me apart as holy. So love me with all of your being and love your neighbors. You love yourself. And then God goes, because my spirit is in you, through faith, you can express the kingdom of God wherever you are. So this is important. Whether if you teach English in rural South Carolina to middle schoolers, whether if you're an astronaut, professional athlete, musician, computer engineer, whatever it is you may be, professional gamer, the kingdom of God is wherever you go. Wherever you go, God goes with you because you are a temple of the spirit and God wants us to participate in the kingdom, right? Then God's will for our life is to depend on Jesus, the bread of life. Financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually to live in the power of forgiveness and then live in power over sin, death, and evil. So if you ever want to know what God's will for your life is, is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. So it's the mysteries taken out of it. And what I do 
is I walk people holding their hands in the book, not like an expert, but a fellow traveler saying, let us discover together how to pray, why we pray. Yeah, and I love that because it's all around relationships. Like going back to what you were saying is God is not an ATM. God is about relationships. You would not go to your grandmother's house and just be like, I just want this. When's the next time? It is about an authentic relationship. And that's what prayer does. Is it takes you to another level of a depth of relationship with him. And so I do want to ask you, because I think there's probably a lot of people that, I mean, I, I'm loving everything you're saying. Like I'm getting ministered to, I'm just shaking my head. Yes, yes, the whole time. But I think there's also people that as they're hearing, they're getting fired up, but now they want to know like, what are some practical ways? Like, what are, how should I pray? Uh, would you mind kind of going into that? I know yeah. you'll go much more deeper into that yeah. in the book. So I would encourage you guys, if you are listening, make sure to go pick up the book because, you know, a 30 minute conversation can only go so deep, but the book will go 10 times, you know, hundred times more deeper. But if you could go into that a little bit, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, so I think number one, um, prayer is not just talking Prayer is a posture of our hearts that are attuned and aware to God's presence. That's number one. Um, it's okay for prayer to be silent. It's okay for prayer to be boring. Number two, here's an example of how I'll pray. So um, I do have set times where I pray. So morning, noon, evening, every night before I go to bed, my prayer is the Lord's Prayer. I cite the Lord's Prayer from memory. I've done it for about four years. Cited from memory, I pray it over me. I pray it over my family. I pray it over Transformation Church. I pray it over the church, and I pray it over lost people everywhere in the world. So here's an example, practical steps of how I would pray using Jesus's structure. So something like this. Um, Father, today, thank you so much for your son. Thank you that in your son, I can know you and be known by you, that being known by you is enough. And today, uh, give me a focus that all other competitors for your heart are defeated by your grace, that you or you alone would be my God. And Lord, whatever it is that I do, I want your kingdom to be expressed in me, even when I don't want to do it, even when it's hard. Jesus, live through me. And Lord, I've got bills to pay. I've got college debt to pay. I've got food. But you know all this. So I want to thank you in advance for how you're going to provide for me physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. And Lord, I want to thank you for the kindness of your forgiveness. Thank you that I'm your friend. Thank you that I'm declared righteous. And Lord, May I forgive people the way you forgave me. I don't want to be a doormat, but I certainly don't want to close the door to anybody. And finally, Lord, I know the devil's going to tempt me all day long telling me I'm what I do. I'm what others think. I am what I have. But all those are lies. I am who you say I am. I'm a beloved child of God, and only your opinion of me matters. And Lord, I thank you that because of my testimony in the blood of the lamb, that I don't have to give in to sin because I can give in to God's grace. Lord Jesus, today be made famous in me and through me. In your name I pray. Amen.
love that. That's beautiful. I, I think that's amazing. I think what you did so well too is just showing that the entering into, I think that's something that I've always watched is when I've gone outside and if I wanted to start praying when I'm going outside to pray and I'm like, man, I just, I don't feel like I'm in the mood. I'm too tired this morning or something like that. All I do is I just begin to start looking around me and I just say, God, thank you for that tree. Like, thank you for those trees over there. Thank you for that mountain over there. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for all that. And I just begin to start going into the throne room, just as Bible says, going into the throne room with thanks giving and i watch as then i yeah. start feeling his presence just coming right into that prayer time so i love i love your approach to prayer um i want to ask you because i know there's some times when we we kind of come into the throne room with that thanksgiving and then there's the times when we come boldly it says come boldly before mm -hmm. the throne and i want to ask you kind of when do you how do you navigate those times like when do you know hey i'm coming in like we're believing for a shift to happen. I'm coming in boldly believing yeah. that God's going to change. Yeah. So, so let me uh, remark what you said. Gratitude changes your attitude. Um, gratitude changes your attitude. And a lot of times we focus on what we don't have versus what we do have. Attitude changes your gratitude. So that's number one. Um, number two, the most bold revolutionary words of prayer is this, our father. Think about it. So when we think about the God of the Bible, he is eternal. That means he doesn't have a yesterday. He doesn't have a tomorrow. He lives in the eternal now. He's seen the end from the beginning. He was present when I was born. He's present when I die. He has seen all of everything in one eternal glance in the now. He is all powerful. He is omnipresent. He is holy, holy, holy. That means that, that he is utterly different yet transcendent and eminent with us. So when we pray our father, all of hell shakes because we're calling on the God of the universe who parted the Red Sea. We're talking about the God that rose Jesus from the dead. We're talking about the God who said, peace be still. So our father is ridiculously bold. And, and, and. Your situations and circumstances in life will dictate your boldness, right? So in 2004, May 17th, my wife was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Uh, our prayers were different. You know, they were prayers of lament, prayers of mourning. Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Sometimes the only thing I can pray is literally, I found myself just going, mm -hmm. my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean what I'm going to do? I didn't, even, I didn't even know it. Like my soul is just groaning. And so Hebrews 4, 16 is very clear. Uh, we can approach his throne of grace and mercy with boldness. And here's why. Because Jesus has given us access to his father. When uh, when I was a little kid, 
um, there were older kids that would chase me from school, from elementary school. So I would have to run, just running full speed home, right? But the closer I got home, the more confident I, I got. And the reason why I got more confident is because my big cousin was, was there. His nickname was Squinky. Don't let the nickname fool you. Squinky was Squinky was Squinky was tough. So the closer I got home, the more confident I got because I knew Squinky was there. And so we can be confident and bold, not because Squinky's there, but because our Father in heaven is present. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I've always seen it this way as I'm like, you know, with my parents, oftentimes, you know, I grew up and they were very busy, but I remember at any moment, regardless of their situation, their schedule or anything like that. I mean, if I was at the office, I could bust into their room yeah. at their office and I'd be like, Hey, I, I have something going on. I need something. They would immediately make time. And that's what we get. It's like, you see the same thing for the president of the United States, who is the only person that could probably bust in there at any time and be completely okay with mm-hmm. that. That is their kids because they have access to the throne room to come boldly, to realize having that confidence in their God, to be able to come in. Um, I know, Pastor. I mean, this has been amazing, and I, I know hey, that you hey, kind hey, of Martin, talk. Yeah. Uh, let me let me add this because you made yeah, such of course. a profound point. I don't want to move too too fast because yeah. I know there are people listening going, "Yeah, but am I worthy to bust in God the Father's room? Am I? Because I'm sure He knows everything that I've done." He knows my guilt. He knows my condemnation. And when I fix myself, then I'll come to him. If that's you listening right now, please understand this. You are not worthy to come to the Father in prayer because you're good, because you're bad. You are worthy to come to the Father in prayer because Jesus came for you. Jesus is our worthiness. Uh, When I played for the Carolina Panthers, as my last year in NFL, we're playing the Dallas Cowboys. And growing up in Texas, I grew up a huge Cowboy fan. All my family was Cowboy fans. And my big cousin, he's probably 15 years older than than me. So I was in my mid-20s then, and it was game day and I had on a very nice suit and, you know, life has been hard on him. You know, he's made some bad choices throughout his life. And so in, in the NFL, when you go up to your hotel room, there's security because girls will sneak in and guys will try to sneak guys in and fans or whatever. So anyway, we're going up the elevator to my hotel room and I walked ahead of him and I walked past the security and the security let me go because I was dressed like NFL football player and I looked like one. Well, he looked at my my cousin and was like, no, you need to, you need, you need to stop. You don't play. And I told the security guard, I said, Hey, um, he's with me. He's like, okay, you may go, sir. Well, here's the good news. Jesus leads us by the hand into the very throne room of God, the father and says, Hey dad, he's with me. She's with me. Well, I I love that. And I, I love for us to understand, I think as a ministry, what we really try to get people to understand is that their position as a son and daughter of God has yes. that authority, has that inheritance. Yes. And I love that you're saying you, 
it's who you with. Jesus is bringing you in. I think that's powerful. Um, just kind of as a last question, because uh, I know we don't have much more time, but I, I, I know you've talked about this, but I just want to kind of hear it one more time from you. Ultimately, your heart for this book, uh, for this generation, what do you want to see this book um, really take hold of in the hearts of this generation? I want people after they read the book go, oh my gosh, I never knew Jesus was so beautiful. And I want to pray and then be expectant of God to do incredible things. Um, I see thousands upon thousands of people in small groups on college campuses, at churches. Um, I see them reading this book and their hearts being ignited to pray expectantly and to pray in the spiritual culture that Jesus calls us to. There's a reason why it starts with our father and doesn't start with give us this day. It starts with our father. And, and, And let me add this too. And the aspect of being sons and daughters, being sons and daughters, we are royalty because we belong to the king. Now, the difference with our royalty is that other people don't serve us. We serve them. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to be a servant and to give his life away as a ransom. And so our royalty moves us to serve. The Bible calls us royal priests. When we are adopted into the family of God, and the Apostle Paul uses the Greco-Roman world, in the Greco-Roman world, when, when someone was adopted into a family, by law, they could not unadopt them. Well, guess what? When God the Father adopts us through Jesus, Jesus doesn't sign the adoption papers with a pen. He signs them in blood. And there's not a notary signature that makes it official. It's the Holy Spirit that seals us for all time in him. So we're growing in our sonship. We're growing in our daughtership. And what it breeds is this holy awe of going, oh, my gosh. God is so big. I'm so small. But he invites me into his story to be a part of it. Well, Pastor Derwin, this has seriously been such an amazing conversation and a very, very needed one. So if you guys haven't already, please make sure to go get the book. Where can they get God, Do You Hear Me? You can get God, Do You Hear Me anywhere books are sold. I do know Lifeway is selling it at a 50% discount. So buy one for your mama, your daddy, your grandma, your friend, and people you don't even like. Bring it to Thanksgiving, right? (laughs) Right. That's right. Yeah. And then how can people get connected with you? Yeah. So the best thing to do is go to DerwinLGray.com, DerwinLGray.com, and that'll take you to Transformation Church, where my wife and I are the co-founders of Transformation Church. That'll let you know about all of our books. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and my handle is at DerwinLGray. I would love to connect with y'all. Amazing. Pastor, thank you again so much for your time. And thank you for speaking into our audience. I'm telling you, this is this is a topic that is so needed and that our people are hungry for. So I appreciate it. 
Thank you, and I appreciate your support and help, man. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Pastor Derwin. I know that I did. If you guys are new to the channel, make sure to subscribe. That way you can keep up with all the new episodes that we have as we continue this season on identity. If you guys want to, make sure to rate and leave a comment. Let us know what you guys think of the show. Let us know of topics or conversations that you guys want us to have. We always love hearing from you. And thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time, this has been Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters.